The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do, like me taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. Hey there, it's Gary Parish. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Ion College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting, dodo birds, and leaky black. The Ion College Basketball Podcast is presented by Jersey Mike's. Jersey Mike's. A sub above. Matt Norlander is here with me. He's in a hotel room in <laughs> Albany, New York, in advance of Sunday's round of 32 games there. I'm in a hotel room in New York City, uh, fresh out of studio, CBS Sports Network. If you're watching on YouTube, smash the like button like your Brandon Davies. You have consent. If you haven't yet, subscribe to the CBS Sports College Basketball YouTube channel. Please do that while you're here. Okay, let's get into it. The first Saturday of the NCAA tournament. It's in the books. It was wild. It was fun. A lot to get to, obviously, but the place to start is in the West Regional in Des Moines. Final score, Arkansas 72, Kansas 71. The Razorbacks are in the Sweet 16 for the third consecutive year, and the Jayhawks, the reigning national champions, they're done before Bill Self ever even had a chance to coach Kansas in this NCAA tournament. I'll stop right there. Deadleg, mm. your thoughts on the reigning national champs being eliminated before Bill Self was uh, was able to coach them in this NCAA tournament. You know what? I'm going to give a couple of shout-outs at the top here. I'm going to apologize. I don't have my normal board, so you're hearing me come through my mic. But um, our tireless, amazing editor, Marcus Nelson, assured me he'd be watching live on YouTube and smashing the like button like he's Brandon Davies. Shouts to Marcus Nelson. We appreciate everything you do behind the scenes at CBSSports.com. And I believe the one and only Jamie Erdahl might be checking in and watching right now because uh, she tweeted old "Giddy Up, Giddy Up" logo uh, with the with the with the uh, with the horns or whatever that is emoji. Uh, Jamie, you're doing an amazing job. Continuing to do an amazing job as you always do on sideline duty. Jamie will be back on the sidelines for Sunday's games as she was for Friday's. I believe she's in Columbus. As to your question, man, Kansas is down. No Bill Self. I think that's the difference in this one. Credit to Muss. Oh, actually, I have something else to report at the top here. Just texted with Muss. I needed to get this on the record. I said, listen, I'm about to podcast with GP right now. Are we? Can we get a guarantee that another shirt-off celebration is coming if a Sweet 16 victory happens? He said, he gave me ha-ha-ha-ha-ha. Yep, thumbs up. I said, okay. So if you want more shirtless muss, it's coming. I I Look do. at that. If you're, if you're watching right now, you're seeing it. You know what? I got to be honest. A couple of things. One, th- you'd rather die than take your shirt off in public, Correct. I think that's true. I would rather be deceased than take my shirt off in public. I can't tell you how many swim shirts I own and I own them. People, people say, Oh, why are you wearing a swim shirt? And I, I flip it around on them. I go, I'm not trying to die of UV rays. You want to die of UV rays? I make it out. Like I'm, I'm really, the only reason I'm wearing this swim shirt is because I don't want to die of UV rays. That's my official public position. The truth is, I just I hate myself. If I look like Muss, I would take my shirt off all the time. I don't look like Muss. That's a fifty-eight-year-old man right there. He looks good. 
He's he's doing more than okay for him for himself there, with without a doubt. There is there is <laughs> there is a rising campaign in our live chat for you to take off your shirt. <laughs> and they don't want peacock noises, they don't want razorback noises, they don't want tiger noises, they want shirtless GP on the YouTube stream. Folks, this might be the last ever podcast we do if somehow we get to that point. So uh I don't even take my shirt off at home. I don't even take my shirt off at home. He's going to go and, to and bed like, tonight in that suit and tie. He's and, not even going to change. No, I swear to God. And if like people are in the bathroom when I have to get into the shower, I get into the shower and then I throw my shirt out of the shower. That's a fact. Okay. That's how well, much this, I hate this, myself. We, we cannot recap Saturday's round of 32 games and get a therapy session in in under 40 minutes. So I will continue. Congrats to Arkansas. The must taken off the shirt thing is feeling more polarizing by the year. I have no issue with it. The man is comfortable at 58 years old and ripping off his shirt in front of a crowd of literally 20,000 people. Like, more credit to you. I think it's a wonderful little side thing uh, in the tournament and in college basketball. Must keep doing you for Kansas. Yeah, I mean, the loss comes as not a stunner. I mean, it's, it's not a stunner. We, we talked about this was the hardest region, and we talked about it not just because of second-round stuff, but this exact reason is that you run into a team – with two lottery picks, a good defense, and Arkansas was a preseason top 10 team. Although, in the way that it was done, pretty pretty surprising with, with Arkansas. Um, had Bill Self been on the sideline, I actually think maybe it does make a difference. I think you can easily argue it makes a difference. We're talking about a one-point difference at the end there. But Arkansas didn't, didn't get a huge game out of Nick Smith. Didn't get any game. Future top five pick potentially scored zero points. It was all Devo Davis, who had 25, Ricky Council at 21. Devo Davis was awesome. His post-game interview, give another shout-out. Ali LaForce did a great, great job. Um, and that emotional scene was, was tremendous. We were light on dramatics for the most part on Saturday. We got some big stuff. We'll get to Princeton, obviously. But there's been a pretty – there's been a few awesome post-game interview uh, scenes we've gotten over the past three days. And, and Devo Davis kind of breaking down and just – trying to explain how all the hard work is is paying off. And I get where he's coming from because Arkansas had lost four of its last five games heading into the tournament, was a popular team to fade for some. Arkansas only led for a minute 43 in this game, only led for one minute and 43 seconds, but it pulled it off, man. And now I'll let you speak on the self stuff, but uh, uh, I got a couple nuggets. All final four teams from last year, they're gone. That's only two times in the past 17 years that final four teams from one season were all out before we got to the Sweet 16. And Kansas continues to trend where the reigning national champion does not make the Sweet 16. The last time we got it was 2016 with Duke. And now with Purdue and Kansas losing, uh, 2023 becomes the fifth tournament since we expanded in 85 to have two one-seeds gone before the regional semis, 2018, 2004, 2000, and 1981 are the other tournaments to have two. There has never been a tournament with three ones or more gone before the Sweet 16. That will continue. Bama and Houston will get to you, obviously, both one on Saturday. Congrats to Arkansas. You know, this team has gone to three straight second weekends. It's going to try and get to three straight Elite Eights. And it's done this after going two and a half decades without it and did the rare thing where it beat a one seed in its region in back-to-back years. That almost never happens. Arkansas was the fourth team to ever do that. What are your thoughts on the game and, the, and not having Bill Self for Kansas? Was that the ultimately the thing you, that you believe did the Jayhawks in? This is the problem with talking about this, is because if you say that, it feels like you're taking away from Ar- what Arkansas just did. And I'm not that interested in taking away from Arkansas going to the Sweet 16 for the third consecutive year after that school had not been before it hired Muss uh, since 1996. You remember like this, that's a, something you and I used to reference yeah. all the time. Like Arkansas went to a million sweet 16s in a very short amount of time under Nolan Richardson. And then it just stopped. Like if I would have told you in 1996, you will not go back to the NCAA uh, tournament sweet 16 again until 2021. Like, that is unimaginable. It would be like somebody telling a Duke fan, you're not going back to the Sweet 16 for 30 years, whatever it was. Like, is what? How does that even happen? But that is what Arkansas went through. And so this is an incredible accomplishment. 
and you don't have to apologize for it if you're an Arkansas fan. But yes, I mean, Bill Self is, forget my opinion. We put it to a vote of a lot of us at CBS Sports in the preseason, and Bill Self was voted the best coach in in college basketball. I think if you want to have that conversation, you're probably picking between Bill Self and Rick Pitino based on accomplishments and the fact that those guys are still operating at an extremely high level, even if Rick has been doing it at the mid-major level. But undeniably, Bill Self's one of the best coaches in the country, one of the greatest college basketball coaches of all time. And yeah, it defies logic to not think that had he been on that sideline, maybe you can get a point here or there or a bucket here or there that, that flips this the other direction. And as I was thinking about this, um, you look at the now missed opportunities, opportunities that have been missed by Bill Self for reasons largely, if not entirely, out of his control. My point being this. In 2020, he had the best team in the country, according to Ken Palm. It was going to be the favorite to win the national championship. They were going to be the number one overall seed in the NCAA tournament. And then we didn't have an NCAA tournament. Dumbest pandemic of my lifetime. 2023, he has a number number one seed, a realistic national championship contender. And he doesn't even get to coach them because just before the Big 12 tournament, he had to have a medical procedure, specifically had to have two stints inserted. And even though he had been in Des Moines with his team and at practices and around, um, based on Bill's comments, after consulting with doctors and big group conversations, they just didn't think it was appropriate for him to to be on the sideline yet coaching a basketball game. But by all accounts, he was probably going to be ready to go in the Sweet 16. Just got to get there. And he couldn't get there. And so at the end of his career, whenever that is, there could be a game of what if that we play. Like what if the 2020 tournament is played? Does he win that one? What if the 2023 tournament, he coaches in it? Does he win that one? There's no way to answer that question, but that is two legitimate championship caliber teams that he's had in the past four years. In addition to the one that actually won the championship last season, he's got two teams that he never got to coach. He he coached them to what would have been one seeds in the tournament, but he never got to coach them in the NCAA tournament. As I'm talking through that, that's got to be that's got it. No, that's, that's never happened yeah, before. Right. That's the only because the uh, because the dumbest pandemic of our lifetimes. Uh, twenty twenty is obviously the way bigger. Uh, what if and more realistic? Uh, not unthinkable. Kansas could have repeated, but we just don't see it. They were in the toughest region, and we'll see what the what the path would have been depending on how UConn St. Mary's plays out tomorrow here in Albany. But yeah, they went up against uh, an Arkansas team. It was it, it was a really fun watch. Um, you know, a, a bumpy game with with some of the whistle. I get that. I don't. I don't deny that. I en- I enjoyed the game and and credit to Arkansas for just getting it done, man. I, you know, it's only two, here's the thing. It's it's only two wins, but no matter what happens from here, if Arkansas makes the final four, gets to a thirty lead eight, but falls short, or just puts up a stinker in the in the in the next game. Just two wins can help validate so much of what a team goes through in a season, no matter what level that team is at. Like Arkansas is a power conference team with the national championship and obviously has made the regional finals the past two seasons. But with all of the injury issues and everything that they've gone through, uh, you win two games in March. You know, you win your mini tournament, you get out of your region and you get into the second weekend. Uh, it can do a lot to just validate, you know, the previous three years, three plus months from before that. And it doesn't discredit, you know, the teams on the losing side of that. It doesn't. But for Arkansas and, and Muss, um, I think there is a lot to uh, to what they must be feeling after gutting it out and, and, and winning a really close game against a, a number one seed that got put in, in the toughest region of all. And um, it's going home. Kansas, you know, yet another example. There are plenty of examples of not, but you got another example here of Kansas getting booted in the first weekend. Jayhawks fans are all too familiar with this. Just, you know, when you are a one, two or three seed every single season and the randomness of this tournament is going to strike and Bill Self not being available, like you just Kansas has a, a laundry list of first weekend exits to much lower seeded teams. You mentioned the Devo Davis postgame interview with Allie. Um, 
we see players, even coaches, cry all the time during this tournament, usually after losses because it's over. The season's over. In some cases, your college career is over. We don't see people cry as often after wins. And that was what mm-hmm. made that interesting. And, you know, Allie, not non championship wins are like non getting to the, the final four. Wins, yeah. Basically. Yeah. Like round yeah. of 32 wins. You don't usually yeah. see players crying after them. And you know, it was interesting to hear Devo talk about it because he was like, you know, we we just work so hard to get here. It's been hard. It's been tough. I don't have the words right in front of me, but he more or less said this has been, you know, we've we've struggled and we had some stuff to figure out, but we figured it out. And among the adversity that that program had to deal with this year, Trayvon Brazil plays nine games, done for the season. He was very important to them. And then Nick Smith Jr., like even though he played on Saturday, he has still missed 19 of Arkansas's 35 games this season. He's missed most of their games. And when you Go through uh, – when you enroll three McDonald's All-Americans and Nick Smith Jr. is the most heralded of the group, you do a lot of planning around that guy being available. And then that guy's just not available. And if you remember, and I know you do, it was kind of like murky. Like, well, okay, what exactly is going on with him? Is he going to play? This Is he going to rejoin the team? There was always questions about it. And that, that's that's difficult to, to deal with. Ask any coach. You spend a whole offseason planning around having a guy available, and then he's not, and then you don't know if he is. And then when he is, then he might go away again and just a lot of question marks. And it's among the reasons this is wild to think about. Arkansas started 1-5 and five in the SEC. Mm-hmm. Finished 8-10 and 10 in the SEC, two games below 500. But that's the interesting thing, or one of the interesting things about this tournament is that it it offers you a fresh shot. Like, hey, for four months, this thing has been really rocky relative to what it was supposed to be. But we we got to the tournament. Now let's go win games in the tournament. And Arkansas has won two. And, you know, as you know, they're now in the Sweet 16 for the third straight year. And that might not sound like a lot, but that's tied for third in the country for active Sweet 16 streaks. Gonzaga has been there seven straight times. Mm-hmm. with an opportunity to make it eight on Sunday. Houston has now been in the Sweet 16 four straight times. And then Arkansas three, UCLA three. Those are your active streaks. This is not normal to just land in Sweet 16s back-to-back-to-back years, but Arkansas just did it. Uh, good stuff on uh, good stuff on the Hogs, and we see how their journey may continue. I say we move on, GP, because there is <laughs> – I mean – 15 seeds just now making the second weekend like this is normal behavior. Some some strange stuff, but some amazing stuff here with yet another team from Jersey that refuses to play by the rules. Princeton from the Ivy League. Sweet 16 has a 15 seed. It's a cool story. We're going to get into that next. But first, a word from our partners. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy 
celebrity interviews, or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Princeton is in the Sweet 16 as a 15 seed. Beat Missouri 78-63. Blow out. Mitch Henderson Tigers are only the fourth 15 seed ever to make the Sweet 16 of the NCAA tournament. I feel like I'm giving you a layup. That, but it is, don't don't even ask me. This it's one. trivia time. Come on, this doesn't even apply. It's a trivia time. Okay. What are the other three fifteen Come seeds on, to man. make it? It's a trivia time. Dunk City twenty thirteen. Yep. Oral Bob two years ago. Yep. And then last year St. Peter's. Come on now. Name every school those schools mm-hmm. beat to get to the Sweet Sixteen. Trivia time part two. Let's let's do it. Okay. Oh, so God, Dunk City. You? Yeah, Dunk City goes. Georgetown in the first round. It goes USC. USC? No, no. you're thinking of where no. their coach went. That's right. So it goes Georgetown. I know it. it. I was there. To, hold on. It goes Georgetown. It loses to Florida in the Sweet 16. And at San Diego State? That's right. Okay. And then Oral Roberts two years ago goes Ohio State. Who did Oral Roberts beat in the second round two years ago? Bubble tournament. I think I know. Um, was it? Hmm. That's a good one, actually. Oral Roberts beat Ohio State. Let me come back to it. And then last year is St. Peter's. That's Kentucky. And then Murray State in the first weekend. And then obviously beat Purdue. Who did Oral Roberts beat in the second round? Okay. I just looked it up to make sure I knew it, but hand to heart, I did know it. I got it right. Give me the conference. SEC. It just means more. Well, Oral Roberts lost Arkansas. It did not play Bama because it wasn't on that side of the bracket. Obviously, didn't play Kentucky. Um, I don't. Uh, I mm, was it. Was it Tennessee? Does Tennessee do this? I'm not looking. Oh, Gators. Gator Chomp. Gator Chomp. Mike White. That's right. Good call. Good call. All right, a little fun little bonus trivia time. Ryan Langborg for uh, for Princeton had 22. Arizona, you've got company. Arizona was the only school to lose multiple times to a 15 seed, and that lasted two days. Missouri has also lost to a 15 seed twice. Trivia time, who's the other 15 seed? Um, oh, crap. It's the fa- – it's the fa- – it's the – the Frank Kate team, they got. It, it, That's right. Who yeah. Did they play? Who did they lose to? Oh God, Kimmy English was on the team. That's correct. What were those? What were those? Come on now. I mean, I know it. It's like if you if yeah, you gave them. if you gave me a t- fifty team multiple choice, as soon as you said it, I would know it. It's already in the chat. As soon as you said it, I would know it. Norfolk State. That's right, Norfolk State. Yeah. So right now, Princeton is the fourth team from the Ivy League to ever reach the Sweet 16 since that round proper uh, began in 75. Penn did it in back-to-back years, 78-79. Cornell did it in 2010. And now on Saturday night, Missouri became the first team since Dartmouth in 42 to beat an SEC team in the tournament, first Ivy League team. It was The league was 1-10 against the SEC going into this game. And not just that, Princeton destroyed them, man. Yeah. Like Dunk City did this so other teams could Dunk City flew so other teams could soar, uh, you know, with the way that that they beat Georgetown in Florida. Who could ever forget the Florida game? Obviously, hmm. uh, that really set set the table for this a decade ago. Uh, it's the win was what 15 point margin, I believe here. It's the largest ever by a 15 seed in any game period. Now, UMBC beat Virginia by 20, which still makes that like beyond stunning because that was the number one overall seed. But credit to Princeton. Princeton held Arizona to 55 points. That team averaged 82 a game going into that game. And then Missouri, another offensive-minded team, dropping 79 a game, only got 63. 
just awesome, awesome, awesome stuff and continues to be an amazing story for a number of reasons. But the biggest one to me is Pete Carrill, you know, the greatest coach in Princeton history. Uh, he never made a Sweet 16. In fact, the last time Princeton got there was 67. That was the last season before he took over and guided that program for three decades. So Princeton is back in the Sweet 16 for the first time in more than 55 years. Uh, it was 20. It was a 23-team field the last time that uh, that Princeton was in this round of the tournament. And credit to Mitch Henderson, man. It is it because the game didn't end on a buzzer beater. It wasn't just tension for 40 minutes, similar to like, like what Purdue FDU was. It isn't carrying this like massive amounts of energy as we head into Sunday, but I'm still wowed by it. I'm still floored by it. We've got an Ivy league team on the 15 line that is just bulldozing, bulldozing its way, the way it wants to play into the sweet 16. And I don't know who's going to win between FAU or FDU. That's going to be another I great. Do. I, do. I know who's going to win. Well, okay, go ahead and call your shot if you really want to jinx an entire program and university here. But we are guaranteed just a story that the nation will be paying attention. At least one, and there will be more than one. Like Princeton, you know, it, it's it's funny how these Ivy League schools can get people to feel like all, you know, chummy and gooey and rooting for these Ivy Like in no other, in no other walk of life are people being like, yeah, the dude from Princeton. Loves- yeah, yeah, hey, hey. Hey, okay. If you're cheering for Princeton right now, just know they their alums they look down at you. Yeah, <laughs> they think you're stupid. I, I love I love the juxtaposition. I love the dichotomy <laughs> of that. But that team is awesome, and I cannot wait to see uh, what they do in the next round. Man, this is I give 15 seed three years in a row. Obviously, a first in tournament history. This is becoming way too commonplace. Uh, I think it's 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 no longer a shock to the system, and now we have we have grown to expect it, which just speaks to the magic of this tournament all the more. Raise your hand. Raise your hand if you were a sideline reporter on a Princeton game earlier this season with 14 stitches in your head. <laughs> I was on the sideline for the veteran Veterans Classic back in November. Oh, look at you. Yeah. Princeton was there, and Houston was also there. Two Sweet 16 teams at the United States Naval Academy. Had 14 stitches right here, right across his stupid head. Um Princeton lost that game to Navy. Like they took a shot at the buzzer and it was a foul. Like they, you can go look it up. Princeton player got fouled. Ref didn't call it. Mitch Henderson was furious. And Princeton started 0-2 with a loss to Navy. That's the way this season started. 0-2 with a loss to Navy. And now they're in the, the Sweet 16. It's an, it's an awesome story. And like I've said a million times, we don't need to spend much time on it. But like that's, that is, this is what makes this tournament so great. Yeah, it's, it's awesome when the UCLA's and the Indiana's and the, back when North Carolina used to make the tournament, the North Carolina's, um, when, when, you know, when they advanced it, like that's the big brands are fun. And, 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 but, but like FDU, Winning the fact that we're either going to have Florida Atlantic or F- Fairly Dickinson mm-hmm. in in the Sweet Sixteen is incredible. By the way, Florida Atlantic. Imagine that. Imagine imagine you tell Dusty May this at any point in the season. You're gonna. I can promise you, you're gonna get to the round of thirty two. And then you're going to be a 15-point favorite in the round of thirty two. Florida Atlantic is a fifteen-point favorite. <sighs> Unbelievable. Yeah. What a deal. What a deal. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. 
going to bounce around a little bit. Let's bounce. Elsewhere, and by the way, on- as, as we as we do this, people are saying I look I look tired as hell. I mean, I I maybe do, but I'm I'm still good. I'm not I'm not trying to speak too loudly because again, I'm in a hotel room as you are, and I don't want <laughs> the last thing I need is like being in the middle of a podcast and the front desk calls my room and it's because there's a noise complaint. So I'm trying to keep the volume like pretty steady, pretty, pretty low. Well, see, here, this all. is where, um, just to clarify, you're in mm-hmm. a hotel room. Yeah. I'm in a hotel suite. Uh, okay. I am in what they refer to as a suite. Okay. So I have plenty of room to, yeah, I can yell. You know and what, you know what people that live in that get hotel suites normally do, you know, hmm. what's common. If you're the kind of person that gets a hotel suite, you usually take your shirt off and walk around in it. That's, that's kind of the flex move that you do. Yeah. Oh no, no, no. Too many mirrors, too many yeah. mirrors, too yeah, many okay. windows, yeah. a lot of stuff going on. I will tell you that, uh, my bathroom, uh, like has, uh, they have curtains in my bathroom and, the other day i and like it's it's new york city so there's but there's a building right outside my bathroom window and my bathroom window wasn't all the way closed and i had like just kind of gotten out of the shower and i look out and i swear across the street same level as me there's like a whole family out on a balcony i felt i i almost that was a tough spot for me you know yeah it's a yeah. tough spot for me. I'm in what they call a suite, so I can be my normal volume. No, you know what it actually is? Um, I just got out of studio, so you're wired. I'm not tired yeah, you right are now. Yeah. And I've been you've in been a hotel s- for like four hours. Right. So, you've been yeah. sitting around waiting yeah. on me. That'll make you tired. Like I, the the one uh, the, the the COVID the year after the the the. The first year after the NCAA tournament got canceled, most of that year we worked from home. Like everybody would just CBS mm-hmm. Sports Network, and now we'll go to Gary at his home. Everybody just sort of stayed home. And so you had to sit at your house and just wait for the shows late at night. And that, that was it's one thing to sit around with a bunch of people in a studio and you're chopping it up and you're talking and you know, you're you're wired a little bit. Sitting by yourself waiting to do something at 1 30 a.m. Um, if you are tired, you should be. I'd be tired if I were you as well. I'm I'm happy to be here with you, and we'll see if we can get this out in under 40 minutes. This has been the under 40-minute podcast challenge. We have failed on two episodes. We might fail on the third. Let's whip around, tell the people the scores, and then you know I got nuggets. San Diego State 75, Furman 52. My Aztecs. My Aztecs held the Furman Furman to 32% shooting from the field. San Diego State now top five in adjusted defensive efficiency, according to Ken Palm. Alabama beat Maryland 73-51. How about this? I saw this on Twitter from one of the accounts that tweets out a bunch of stats. I apologize. I don't have it right in front of me. But basically, here's the deal. Alabama shot 39.7% from the field and 28.6% from three. Still won the game by 22 points. It's the largest margin of victory in NCAA tournament history by a team that shot below 40% from the field and below 30% from three. So it's going to be Alabama against San Diego State in the Sweet 16 inside the Yum Center in Louisville. Tennessee, 65. Duke, 52. In another reminder of how this tournament is largely unpredictable, a Tennessee team that was 5-7 and seven in the 12 games leading up to the start of the NCAA tournament and a Tennessee team that lost its point guard to a season-ending injury in late February. That team is now in the Sweet 16 after snapping Duke's 10-game winning streak. So again, one team was 5-7 and seven in its 12 games leading up to the NCAA tournament. Other team entered the round of 32 on a 10-game winning streak. And uh, of course, Tennessee blew them out 65-52. Um, so either, how about this for a fact? You ready for this? Ready. A Tennessee team mm-hmm. or... A Florida Atlantic team or an FDU team. That's how the bracket works. Going to be in the Elite Eight of the NCAA tournament. That's, that's how the bracket works. That's right. Yep. You, can that that any, you can do that with any other part of the bracket, too. You know? That's the you best part that? to do it. We're ready, ready. Watch, 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 watch. An Alabama team mm-hmm. or a San Diego State team is going to play in the Elite Eight. Yeah, but that, you can't get, see, you're not getting that on other shows. That's no, why people you come don't. To this podcast. People don't break down the bracket elsewhere like that. No, the point is, like, I got it. Like, here's the thing. This is what, the point I'm trying to make. A Tennessee team that's one of these teams is guaranteed to be in the Elite Eight. A Tennessee team that is still seven and seven in its past 14 games, or Florida Atlantic, or FDU. 
Think about that for a second. That's the I, I want everybody to pause and think about that for a second while I go close the curtains in my bathroom. That's that's correct. You want to keep whipping around before I Houston 81, Auburn 64. Marcus Sasser played despite dealing what medical professionals call a doctor injury. Oh, okay. So Houston's either going to play Indiana or Miami in the Sweet 16 of the Midwest Regional in Kansas City. Texas, 71, Penn State, 66. Dylan DeSue, 14 of 20 from the field, 28 points, 10 rebounds. The Longhorns, either going to play Xavier or Pitt in the Sweet 16 in Kansas City. UCLA, 68, Northwestern, 63. Jami Jaquez, 11 of 19 from the field, 24 points, 8 rebounds, 4 assists. UCLA, like we noted, in the Sweet 16, third straight year. Bruins are either going to play Gonzaga or TCU in the Sweet 16 in Las Vegas. I think that touches on the six games that we didn't mm-hmm. touch on previously. I'll let you take it wherever you want to. I'm going to do I'm gonna do it in order of most interesting games I watched. Texas-Penn State would be the top of the list of stuff we haven't gotten to. This is Texas's first Sweet 16 appearance since 2008. Rodney Terry. Great job. Texas was one of 13 from three and won the game. Dylan DeSue with the game of his life. He had 10 points in the final five minutes. Uh, Texas, by the way, made its final six shots, scored on every possession over the final few minutes there to uh, to salt it away after Penn State made a good push. For Penn State, Micah Shrewsbury watch is officially on. Um, it could be Georgetown, could be Notre Dame, could be Penn State, but we wait and see. He will have options. He will be a richer man in uh, in short order here. Rodney Terry Watch is also kind of on. I know you've talked about this on other pods, so let's not uh, let's not go back into that discussion as well. But Texas getting to the second weekend, extending its season, the discussion around Rodney Terry will continue, and uh, whether or not he will be offered the full-time job will be one of the most dominant uh, discussion points in that part of the country. Right below that game, Tennessee Duke, um, Olivier Kamwa was just, I mean, to me, he was the breakout star Tennessee needs if it's going to make a Final Four. He scored 27 points. That's the most by a volunteer player since 1980, and he did it in 22 minutes. Shouts to our CBS Sports Research crew for this amazing stat. He's the first player with at least 27 points in 22 or fewer minutes in the tournament since Calvert Chaney in 93. Shouts to Calvert Cheney, man. And Tennessee's defense doing that to Duke was kind of what kind of, not exactly, what Duke did to a lot of opponents earlier this season. Now, Duke didn't have Mark Mitchell. John Shire said afterward they found that out literally moments before they were going to play. That obviously is a factor. Uh, but Tennessee didn't have its point guard and has had more practice not playing with this point guard. But Sakai Ziegler means more to Tennessee than Mark Mitchell means to Duke. And holding Duke to a season-low 52 points that tied the lowest points in a tournament game in Duke program history. This is coming two days removed from Tennessee doing the same thing to ten- to Louisiana when it held them to a season-low 55 points. Um, impressive stuff. And for the second time in the past 33 – excuse me, for the second time in the past three tournaments – Carolina and Duke are going to miss the Sweet 16. It's happening now. It happened in 21. That only happened two times in the previous 40 years combined. We almost always get at least one of Carolina or Duke in the second weekend, oftentimes both. We're not getting either for um, for those teams. For, for Duke, good season, man. 27 wins. John Shire did a great job. He ran up against a team that's top 10 in predictive metrics and has been all season long. They got out physical. Tennessee controlled the game. Yeah, you know, they played their style. I know Duke fans are are, are a little bit They all know Kyle Filipowski. I know. And, Ky- I mean, Kyle Filipowski deserves hazard play, man. I just, it, I mean, my goodness. There, there was like nine games this, this year with this dude just taking shots, <laughs> shots. But uh, I know you agree. Shire did, a, Shire did a good job this season. You want to you wanna put a bow on, uh, on Duke since, uh, since they are done? Yeah, I think you can, and we've talked about this throughout the season. Like, so is John Shire's year one going to go down as successful or not? Like, it depends on how you look at it. Like, based off of preseason expectations, it's not successful. They were preseason top 10 team and they were unranked much of the season and they lost in the round of 32 to a Tennessee team that had just lost its point guard in late February, certainly late in the season. And, a Tennessee team that it sort of limped into the NCAA tournament. So that's one way of looking at it. The other way of looking at it is that when Duke was at full strength, Duke was awesome this year. It just wasn't at full strength very often. And then once again today, they run into injury problems. Sort Not out of nowhere, but like a, a key player was injured in practice heading into this game. 
And so I I think as we sit here now on March 19th, a little after uh, midnight, it's now two after 2 a.m. on the East Coast. um, I think you can say that all things considered, the injuries, the lack of um, returning players, meaningful returning players on the roster, all things considered, I think, yeah, I think you can say John Shire looked the part in year one. I don't think there's much, if you're a Duke fan, if anything, mm-hmm. that you look at the season and you go, are we sure about this? I think you, sh- you should Agreed. feel pretty good about it. Yep, you should feel good going into year two. We will see. We don't know what we'll get from year two. We will see. I know. I know what we're going to get from year two. I know, I know, I know. Here we go. So, so good job on Tennessee to break through. That was a team a lot of people were fading. But Rick Barnes is now 27-27 and 27 all-time in the NCAA tournament. I mentioned no Duke and no UNC in the Sweet 16. There's no Kansas as well. And had, if UCLA lost to Northwestern, it would have been the first time in tournament history that the final 16 teams didn't include at least one of UCLA, Kansas, Duke, or Carolina. But UCLA moves along with the greatest coaching program history. Yep. Uh, Chris Collins did a good job. Northwestern put up a good fight. They kept it close. Uh, David Singleton took what looked to be a just terrible injury, but then afterward um, he said he was fine. And that Cronin said he was fine. I love so. the quote. He said, I rolled my ankle. I'm fine. I was like, well, those two sentences don't usually go together. And if you watch the play, it looked like he might be out for the rest of his life. Okay, so I'm, I'm happy to hear it. We will see. I mean, we won't see. He'll, he'll know, and people around the program will know how bad that ankle is on Monday, but we'll get an update before UCLA moves on to play. It's regional semi, um, potentially um, against Gonzaga, and if not Gonzaga, then, then TCU. So we'll, we'll see on that. If UCLA plays Gonzaga again, it would be the fourth time that those two teams have met up in the tournament. Good job on the Bruins. We will continue to uh, preview their stuff as we move forward there. Northwestern, great stuff. Chris Collins, happy for you. Gets a contract extension. Houston-Auburn. Uh, Auburn was in control of the game for the first half, tried to keep Houston at bay. The Cougars got in foul trouble, and then the missed free throws spilled disaster, man. They went 19 of 36 from the line, Auburn did. Auburn was outscored by 27 points in the second half. Marcus Sasser at 22. Tremont Mark was awesome. He's the first Cougar with 26 points and nine rebounds in a tournament game since a dude named Elijah on. Okay. They had quite the night and it was really impressive to see the way that Houston turned it on. Uh, they, they they have a gear that is so much fun to watch. And they, they like, they, they can thrive under any adverse conditions. They are just awesome. And they had four guys with four fouls late in that game. And they ran away with it anyway, playing in hostile territory in Birmingham where Auburn had a heavy fan contingent there. Good on the Cougs. Kelvin Sampson may just face Indiana in the Sweet 16. We will see if we will see if the Hoosiers can pass the Miami Hurricanes. I will obviously be there tomorrow to watch that up close. Um, I don't have a ton of notes on Bama, Maryland. Bama, yeah, they're extremely good, man. Like, Terps went from playing the first game on Thursday. They had to wait until the last game on Saturday. They tried to make it ugly early. They succeeded, and then eventually they just, they just ran away with it. Bama's got, Bama's got you know, just ability to beat you up and down the roster, and uh, they're going to get San Diego State. Uh, by the way, the only Bama coach now in history with two Sweet 16 appearances or more, Nate Oates and a dude named Wimp Sanderson, who's you know revered, obviously, in that part for uh, for his hoops. And then, yeah, to me, San Diego State Furman was, unfortunately, it was the snoozer of the day. It was the least compelling game. Um, San Diego State got its largest tournament win by margin in program history, 23 points. It, it just it, it, it locked the doors in the paint on Furman, and that just did it in. And Sandy, here's the thing on San Diego State. And, again, we'll talk about this more as we preview, but I at least want to just set the table for you. I think that the Aztecs can can really – they have good potential to make this one hell of a game. Like Alabama's going to go into this, and people are going to rightfully be looking at this team with its allotment of, of skill all up and down the board and size and quickness and passing and just you know both ends of the floor. But I'll tell you what. San Diego State. Now, these teams are not Bama. I get that. But in the title game, it held Utah State to its lowest point total of the season, 57. In the first round, it held Charleston to its lowest point total of the season, 57. And then against Furman, it held the Paladins to its lowest point total of the season, 52. So, 
Brian Dutcher's got some dudes, and there's a there's a healthy chance that they can keep it close, and obviously a, a solid chance they could even steal that. So that's going to be a fantastic regional semi that I'm looking forward to. Bob Ritchie is really happy at Furman. We'll wait and see if there's a bigger job coming. There's not a ton open right now. We'll see if other stuff does, but that's the nature of this. You're a mid-major coach. You win a game in the tournament, and uh, your name gets talked about more. Wouldn't surprise me if Wichita State looked at him among some others, uh, so keep an eye out for that. But I think that pretty much wraps it up on, let's be honest, GP, it was a good Saturday. It wasn't a great Saturday, but the viewership is amazing. They, It was announced earlier on Saturday that it was literally the most watched first round of the NCAA tournament in history. So people continue to uh, to love them. Some college hoops, that's reflected in the TV rating, ratings. It's reflected in our podcast listenership. We appreciate you guys so much, and especially the real ones that uh, that are up super late on the East Coast. I, I see we've got a few people in Europe watching. So if this is an unusual thing for our international audience, well, we're happy that uh, we can provide you with a little morning watch uh, in this unusual time slot. But uh, Saturday was okay. I think Sunday will be more like Friday. Like Thursday was good. Friday was clearly better. Sunday, I don't know where it's coming, but we're getting something. We are like Princeton was the big, big story. That was the fun thing on Saturday. Something's going to emanate from one of these four regions. I'm just not, not, not quite sure where it's going to be. Well, real quick on San Diego State, my Aztecs, and then we'll get out of here. Um, did you see Brian Dutcher's like in the locker room post game sounds talking to his team? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was good. I liked it. He said, uh, We're going to be hard to beat. He's talking to his team. He said, We're going to be hard to beat. He said, If we run into a team that can beat us, we'll tip our hat. But we haven't seen that team yet. I like the confidence they're playing with right now. And, you know, Nate Oates talked about it after his post game. He's like, I didn't see. San Diego State, but I know Furman's good, and they just shut them down completely. So, um, you know, that that San Diego State team is, I mean, my bracket's busted up like everybody else's, but I did have them in the Sweet 16. Did you realize this? Like, Hmm. maybe this is just something that's known and it's just slipped by me. No Mountain West Conference schools ever made the Elite Eight? Yeah. I did not realize that. That seems... Yeah, I just figured somebody somewhere had done it at some point. Like a Metro Atlantic team made the Elite Eight last season. Mm-hmm. How's a Mountain West Conference team never made the Elite Eight? And will San Diego State be the first? It's got a chance. I'm not going to go that far. And the league has only existed for about 23 years, so that's also part of it. Max has been around since the days, you know? The I days. Know, but like... At I some point. Hey, listen, at least the Mountain West got a team into the second weekend. Yeah, thank God. Just how about to the second round? Let's keep it. Went to the second round, and they kept it going to the second weekend. As we get out of here, what is your favorite game on Sunday? I'm going to read them to you real quick. What's your favorite matchup? Creighton Baylor, St. Mary. This is in no particular order. Creighton Baylor, St. Mary's UConn, TCU Gonzaga, Kentucky K State, Michigan State Marquette, Miami, Indiana, Pitt Xavier. FDU, FAU. What's your favorite matchup of the day? Kentucky, Kansas State, 240 Eastern on CBS, America's Most Watched Network. It's the network of stars. You are either going to have um, John Calipari back in the Sweet 16. And with this bracket opening up, the way it seems to be opening up, like let's, you know, I think not quite everybody here can left in this bracket can realistically dream of a national title. But I think mm-hmm. if you're Kentucky and you get to the sweet 16 and this, you know, you can start thinking about it. You can start thinking about it. And if you don't get that, well, then you got Jerome Tang in year one in the sweet 16 at Kansas state. That's awesome too. So yeah, I can't wait to settle in for that Kansas state Kentucky game. What's your favorite? Um, I, I'd love to give you FAU, FDU, but the line is so huge. Uh, but maybe FDU can actually do it. I mean, uh, I tell you what, the the country will be enraptured if that. I game I, I, I love this. Close. I love this. Like you just look at the games. Okay, I'm not even going to tell you the opponent, like the the matchups. I'm just going to tell you the favorite team, and we'll go down the list. Okay. Xavier is a five point favorite in its yep. game. Kentucky's a three point favorite. Marquette's a two and a half point favorite. UConn's a four-point favorite. Baylor's a one-point favorite. Indiana's a two-point favorite. Gonzaga's a a four-and-a-half-point favorite. And Florida Atlantic is a a 15-and-a-half-point favorite. It's just wild to look at. It's it's wild. Fairly Dickinson is 274 at Ken Palm. Uh, I'd love for that game to be close because we haven't had a 16 win two games yet. Uh, two games in, in in the tournament proper, obviously. Uh, FDU just did that literally going first four and then first round. My favorite matchup 
is probably Creighton Baylor. I think that's got tremendous potential. That's a 7-10 Eastern tip on TBS. Um, and then I just want to see how UConn goes from prepping for the up and down uh, play against Patino's Gales to a completely different kind of Gale in St. Mary's. And their style is just way different. I find that game to be hard to predict how it's going to go other than it would genuinely surprise me if UConn can get to north of 70 in that one just because of the way St. Mary's plays. It's not impossible. I just don't think they're going to be able to, and there's some, there's a lot of different ways. So uh, Sunday's going to be really, really good. I'll be there on Albany uh, doing stuff for HQ. And then I am I am driving home late Sunday in order to uh, to get home to rest up and then provide you guys with, uh, with a pod there soon thereafter to preview. So it'll be GP again. With guest, I guess. Do we know who you're going to be on with Sunday night, GP? He goes by Strong Jaw. Oh, okay. There we go. It'll be GP and KB Sunday night pod. Can't wait. Let's go. You ready to call it a night? You look like it. Come on, Duke. I don't have my shouts to, Roxy. <laughs> shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Huck. Shouts to Larnell. Come on. Thank you guys once again for listening, watching the Ion College Basketball Podcast. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. There's more of us than there are of them. That needs to be reflected in the comments. Let me see your bed back there, dead leg. Is that it's us been reflected better? in the crowd in Albany, by the way. Thank you to the, the half dozen people who have been screaming at me. <laughs> let's let's look at your bed. Is that a us? That looks like a them bed. That looks like a them bed. I don't know about that. Oh, it's a us I, bed. I mean, well, I, just, I don't know. I, it's whatever bed you want. It looks like them's. It looks okay. like them's got a good can night. We, can sleep we can we get a little bit of uh, can we get a little bit of that upper? Can we get a little bit of that. What are you trying to see? Can you get a little bit of this? Show give the people what they want. A little little skin. See, I'll give you a little skin right here. Yeah. Listen, it's after two AM. I can't I can't give you skin. I got an undershirt on. Just just pull it down. Give the people a little bit. Yeah. That's, a, that's right. That is more of my chest than any of my kids have ever seen. That's what I want to see right there. Look at yeah, that. No con no context on Twitter is gonna is gonna screen grab this and put it out Look there. That's that. basically that's it. That's as close as I can get to being a muss. Okay. That's as close as I can get to muss. <laughs> Let's go. That's as far as I go with it. We're done. Good night. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.